It's good to be God's people together. Amen? Man, good to see you this holiday weekend, like I said again. Hey, would you uh, grab a Bible, if you brought one, and turn to the book of Psalms? The book of Psalms. It's in the middle of your Bible. The Psalms are the songbook of the church throughout history. And Israel, God's people before then, as Carla was saying, This evening, we're going to start a little summer series to look at the Psalms of Ascent. I've called this the Psalms for the Journey because the Psalms of Ascent, they believe, these 15 Psalms or poems or songs were given to the people of Israel as they walked and journeyed from wherever they lived up to Jerusalem. They're called the Psalms of Ascent because geographically the city of Jerusalem is positioned on a hill and the city of Jerusalem is where the temple of God was. And so geographically they had to ascend to get to Jerusalem, to get to the temple where they could worship at festivals like Passover or the Feast of Tabernacles. So they would literally ascend And as they would journey as pilgrims, they would sing these psalms, or so scholars believe. There's 15 of them, the Psalms of Ascent. Not only are they geographically upward in ascending, but spiritually speaking as well. These 15 psalms share some characteristics. And these characteristics typically look at the way things are And effectively say, I'm not quite where I want to be, but I'm headed that direction. I'm going to put my eyes on God and get walking. The Psalms of Ascent, and this evening we begin the first one, Psalm 120. So could you join me there in the book of Psalms, Psalm 120. It's a short psalm, it's an interesting psalm, and if you think of the Psalms of Ascent as an album, you all remember those? Albums? How about CDs for my generation or cassette tapes for my generation? Typically, if you had 15 songs on your album, the opener kind of sets the tone. And this opener to the Psalms of Ascent or Psalms for the Journey album sets the tone of where I am is not where I want to be, but I know where I'm headed. I'm setting my face and my feet toward God. And so we begin in Psalm 120. Setting the tone as somebody who feels out of place and under attack. So I hope you're there with me. I'm actually reading from the New Revised Standard Version. I don't normally read from there, but it'll be on the screen for you. Psalm 120. In my distress, I cry to the Lord that he might answer me. Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given to you? And what more shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? A warrior's sharp arrows with glowing coals of the broom tree. Verse 5. Woe is me that I am an alien in Meshech, that I must live among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace 
But when I speak, they are for war. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. More than 10 years ago, Amy and I went to our own doctors around the same time. Over 10 years ago, we're in our mid-20s, and I go to my doctor for the first time in forever, and he says, hey, don't mean to alarm you, but you've got high blood pressure. And I said, nah. And he said, yes. Do you have a family history? And I said, yeah. And he goes, tell me about your diet. He's like, well, let's see. Every Thursday night, I go to the Jack in the Box on Greenville after I'm finished leading worship, and I eat about 10 tacos at 10 o'clock at night. And then if I'm still awake, I'll just get a handful of Sour Patch Kids, and then I wake up in the morning. I don't eat breakfast, so I'll have about three or four cups of coffee. And then for lunch, I'll usually go get some other form of tacos, and lots of them. And um, yeah, and, and pretty much I don't eat anything green. He's like, cool, stop that. Or you're going to have to take medicine. I said, okay. So I'm telling Amy this, and she's like, ah, I'm worried about you. Meanwhile, she goes to the doctor, and her doctor tells her, hey, it's probably a good idea if you look at eliminating hormones from your diet, these synthetic hormones and these kinds of things. Maybe you should consider changing your diet. So then Amy now has more ammo, and she comes back to me and says, all right, that's both of us. She goes, we are too young to be this bad off. we got to make a change. So what happened was we got to a point where we said, all right, we can like spend a ton of money at Whole Foods and just go all organic and try to do this, or we can just say no, a wholesale no to all the junk in our lives, and let's just go straight for it and eat only things that are grown in the ground and are whole foods that we can pronounce the names on the back of the labels. So we were whole food vegans, and many of you who were around us when we first started coming to this church, you may remember that, because we were horrible to have as dinner guests. (laughs) And I've talked about this in the past, but I, I make this point because we were just sick of being sick, And we realized we were terrible dinner guests because we were kind of going against the grain of the fast food culture of our present day country. And we were constantly having to say no to all the things in the middle of the grocery store so that we could say yes to all the things on the perimeter and eat things that were green and good and whole. Now I say all this Because eventually, we went back to our respective doctors like a month later, and my blood pressure dropped significantly. I didn't have to go on medicine at that time. And then Amy saw significant results too, so we just kept trucking. Now, I say all of this to tell you that we are sick of being sick, we are still going against the grain, and we had to say no. The spoiler alert, and any of you who saw me at Overflow said, wait a minute. You ate a bunch of tacos that Becky brought home at 1030 at night for all the guys. And you consumed at least a half of that family-sized Sour Patch bag. What are you talking about? 
Well, the moral of the story is everything in moderation. But for my point tonight, I'm trying to tell you that what we have in Psalm 120 is a cry from somebody who is just sick, just sick of it. And they recognize that they need a change, that they're living in a world that is not conducive to holistic, right, healthy living. So Psalm 120 is a cry from someone who is sick of the lies, done with the hate, and longing for peace. Did you see that in the psalm that we read this evening? It's a song for all of us who feel out of place and who are on a journey back to God. Did you see that in the psalm in the second half? Woe to me, because I'm living in a far off place with strange and hostile folks. Psalm 120 is a cry from somebody who's sick of being sick. But it's also a cry from somebody who's living and operating in a place that is not conducive to a holistic and healthy way of life. It's a journey against the grain. But you need to understand this. The psalmist writes from a place of dissatisfaction. They are dissatisfied with the lying culture and people that they find themselves. They're dissatisfied because they want peace, but all around they're speaking and making what? War. It's a psalm that begins with the phrase, in my distress, and the last word is war. They're dissatisfied with the culture around them, and I wonder if you might feel the same. Many of us, can feel dissatisfied with some of the religious culture around us that tastes and feels more like the artificial fruit sweetness of Sour Patch Kids that really can't approximate what's real and authentic. We can be dissatisfied, amen? We get dissatisfied with the religious jargon and trinkets and bumper stickers that sort of look like Christ, but the truth is that we can live in a culture that looks very unlike Christ, even though they think they bear his name. We can be dissatisfied with the political landscape that is more divisive and hateful than what we've seen in a long time. We can be dissatisfied with the social mores and systems that are more interested in getting and keeping and holding your attention. And it's more like junk food for your heart and eyes and soul. And maybe you've gotten to a place where you just long for anything that's real. Relationships that are real and not just likes and retweets. Psalm 120 is somebody who's sick of being sick. They're going against the grain of their culture. They're saying no to half-truths and half-lives, and they're saying yes to something real, authentic, and satisfying. So they're setting their face and their feet to God, and this leads us to our big idea and the choice that we have set before us. We're going to spend the last half of our message unpacking the psalm, but really it boils down to this. We have a choice to complain about the world's sickness or to walk the way of God's wholeness. This is the choice. And it's a choice set before us because many Christians today just stop at complaining about the world's sickness. Many of us just stop there and say, look at our culture. So therefore, let's just vote it 
and leave it. Let's just point a finger and leave it for someone else. Instead of loving and living and serving and walking the way of God's wholeness, we would rather just complain. But at least the psalmist chooses to cry out to God. The psalmist feels like an alien and out of place, and you may feel like a stranger. But the Psalms remind us, as we said a lot in this church, of at least two things, and that is this. The Psalms remind us that you're not alone and that God is not done. Because the psalmist writes this poem down that dozens and hundreds and thousands of his faithful brothers and sisters throughout the generations will sing on their journey back to God. The Psalms remind us that you are not alone and that God is not done. And the Psalms also remind us, and you might write this down or make note of this with our Psalm, especially tonight, that the Psalms give us permission to be real before God and others. Is Psalm 120 real? Real anguish? Real dissatisfaction? Real frustration? The psalmist muses out loud about what's good and what's in store for you with your lying lips. The psalmist says what's in store for you is like hot coals and sharp arrows. That's pretty real, right? The Psalms give us permission to be real before God and others. And truly, it starts from the very top. You see this in verses 1 and 2. I cry out to the Lord in my distress because He may answer me. Have you ever gotten a phone number from somebody and they're like, hey, call me anytime. Call me anytime. I'm here for you day or night. Have you had this happen to you recently? Call me anytime, yes? And what is your first thought? I'm okay, sure. Or is it just me? I met a person a year and a half ago that um, we, we really, we, we, we met, we had a very interesting meeting, and um, we exchanged numbers, and he called me the next day, and he was like, hey, really enjoyed our meeting, just wanted to check in with you. Hope you're, hope you're being blessed, brother. I was like, oh, Cool, thanks. Did you, did you need a follow-up about this or meet about this? He goes, nope. Just want to talk to you, man. How are you doing? That threw me for a complete loop because I've known him for 24 hours. Then like three days go by and he texts me an article and a Bible verse to encourage me. That was very strange. And then another week passed and he was like, hey, can I help you with anything? Can I pray for you? For anything. And I've never had this kind of experience of a complete stranger. We had this meeting, and for a whole week, he's calling me and reaching out to me. It was really unnerving until I actually needed his help. <laughs> so two more weeks go by, and I'm sitting there because I have a question about this thing that he was involved with many years ago, and I was like, I think he's the only one that can give me a straight answer on this. And I picked up the phone, and I was like, did he really mean he wants to help me and call me? And I called him, and he answered. He didn't screen my call. He didn't ghost me. He wasn't being fake religious 
uh, saccharine, sweet Christian, he legitimately listened, he prayed, and he encouraged me, and it blew my mind. Because I'm so often thinking that this person is only thinking about what they can get from me and not what they can give. And when you meet someone that is interested in giving and helping and listening, it can change your day. Amen? When God gives us his cell phone number and says, call me anytime, understand that he is a person that is more about giving and less about getting. Yes, we give him our life, but remember God gives us his life back in return. Understand that if it's 3 a.m., you can really call him anytime, and the Psalms bear witness to this. And you don't have to sugarcoat it. You don't have to wonder and dress up your language. The Psalms bear witness to the fact that we can literally cry out to him when we're at the end of our rope. The hope is that we would practice calling and texting him more than just once every six months at 3 a.m. when you really, really need something, right? The hope is that we cultivate a life of attentiveness and listening and understand that God is also attentive in listening to us. Amen? Call me anytime. And we say for real, and God says yes. So this psalmist needs help, and what does he need help from? Lies in a deceitful tongue. Can you relate to this? How many of you, I've got to be honest with you, My personality type, and I'm not one that's really given to a lot of the personality types, but for those that are, I'm an Enneagram 9, the peacemaker. And some of you, that doesn't mean anything to you, that's fine. But just know that the thing that really upsets me the most is when someone is upset with me. That when someone or something is out there and it's harming my reputation, or they are harmed, and I can't do anything about it. How many of you have felt like someone is there that misunderstood you and is talking about it right now? (laughs) Somebody at work, or somebody's walking out in this relationship, and they're telling a different story, a different version of the truth. This is my, oh man, we don't even want to think about it right now. This is the stuff that kept me up at night, these kinds of things. But it's not just interpersonal, is it? There are the kinds of lies and deceit that we see in at least three places. I think there's a cultural lie, this proverbial place that I think the psalmist can relate to. The cultural lie that says, here's what you really need. How many of you have seen a mattress commercial for the 4th of July sales event this week? Even my nine-year-old, just raise your hand. What have you been watching? We don't even have TV set up in our new house. The cultural lie is that here's what you need. I think there's also a social lie. Here's what you did or didn't do. We can feel this in our places of work, in our places of unmet expectations with our friends and family. There's this social dynamic that a lot of times we can have a lie that what you've done or not done is really not exactly the truth, and it's causing damage and friction. That's the kind of thing I was just talking about. The third place is internal. So we have cultural, social, and internal. I think there's an internal 
tape. Again, I'm talking about outdated music technology. A tape that's continually cycling and playing in my heart, and that's here's who you are or here's who you aren't. And the trouble is that sometimes they're half-truths. They're half-truths that, well, you're okay, but you could be better. Or the half-truth that, oh, that habit and hang-up, oh, it's not that bad, really. There are the internal lives of self-deceit that can really undermine and destroy us. Cultural, social, internal. What they all have in common is this. They can drift us and our hearts away from God. And so this psalm reminds us that we can wake up, we can say no, we can find ourselves living amongst these lies, so we've got to name it. We've got to name the lies around us, and that's what the psalmist says. He says, help me from these lying lips and a deceitful tongue. And he says, you know what? These lies and this deceitful tongue, they deserve the kinds of hot coals that we would burn. The broom tree was a wood that was like ancient charcoal. It was known for burning long fires. You deserve to be thrown on a grill of broom tree wood. You know what? You cause so much destruction that in the Psalms and Proverbs, they often talk about the tongue as sharp arrows. So he says, you tongue that points sharp arrows at me, you deserve sharp arrows back at you. There is something innate within the psalmist setting his face and feet to God that says, God, you've got to do something about this. Don't you have to, and at, uh, accused and slandered, don't you have something within you that wants to lash out again? Don't you want to react instead of respond? I think it's good wisdom from Dallas Willard that talked about the difference between reacting to someone and responding. I think if you find yourself defending yourself, couldn't it be a slightly different posture to explain yourself? Do you catch the difference between reacting and responding? Do you catch a difference between defending yourself and explaining yourself, explaining your actions? Whether right or wrong, there's truth in the explanation. The defense can still be colored with conflict. Reaction can still be colored with conflict. I'm going to react, I think that, or I'm going to catch my breath and I'm going to respond. I think that we can drift far off course. And so we need to come back together to remember the truths that a place like this can remind us of. Hey, why are we still here on Saturdays at 5 I mean, we've got a lot of people out on vacation. It's the 4th of July. Why still come back? Why still sing? Why still listen to me go on and on? Why do we still do things like overflow for our students or VBS for our children? Because we need to come back and remember truths like this. God created you. He loves you. He is sustaining you right now with his power and presence. Look to your left or right and remember that God created this person. 
And he loves this person. And he's sustaining this person. Remember, our neighbors there and afar, God created and loved them too. Remember that Jesus invites all of us, regardless of where we come from or who we are, into his kingdom and under his gracious reign. God has said yes to you, and he's waiting for you to say yes back. We remember these truths. We remember that the world revolves on a foundation of a loving creator, but the world also needs his touch and his healing and his presence because there's a lot of brokenness, amen? So we come back to remind ourselves that the spirit of God is still at work transforming us. So, the psalmist begins to close by saying, Woe is me. I'm an alien in Meshach. I must live among the tents of Kedar. That's his way of saying, here's the two farthest flung tribes I can imagine. Far from God's presence. Far from God's temple. These are metaphors of real actual places where he's basically saying, Man, I'm shacking up with a bunch of hooligans and hoodlums. I'm so far from God's presence. I feel like I am completely alienated. Which is why the Psalms, here's another reminder, cover the whole scope of human emotion and experience. Sometimes you want to lash out and say, you're going to send me arrows? I'm going to, man, I wish some arrows would go back your direction. Man, look at all these crazy people that I'm living with. I can't believe they're saying these things. Understand that you not only have permission to be real with God and others, you have permission to feel what you're feeling. So much of our culture is about watering down how you feel and invalidating your feelings. It's okay to be angry as a Christian. It's okay to be sad as a Christian. It's not okay when that anger and sadness spills out and damages and hurts and wounds others. But you're allowed to feel what you feel. And we see this in the face of Jesus, who is himself the face of God. The Psalms cover the whole scope of human emotion and experience. If you felt out of sorts and out of place, you're not the first. God's people, Israel, had to say no to a sick culture, and trust the unseen God. I want to close with a quote and some questions. The late Eugene Peterson, who is one of my favorites, wrote a book on these Psalms of Ascent. It's called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. He ripped that quote off from Nietzsche. Nietzsche, who is a famous atheist, I guess in a moment of clarity, had this wonderful statement of this kind of journey as a long obedience in the same direction. That's such a fitting title for these psalms for a journey where you're coming from a place where you feel alienated and alone and you're setting your face and feet toward God. Eugene Peterson writes, Israel became a pilgrim people, picking a path of peace and righteousness through the battlefields of falsehood and violence, finding a path to God, I love this, through the labyrinth of sin. But watch. They worked and they played, suffered and sinned, in the world as everyone else did. 
and as Christians still do, but they were now going someplace. They were going to God. What's your favorite phrase from that quote, that image? Can you consider that these people and Christians today finding a path to God through the labyrinth of sin, of violence, of injustice. They're finding a path to God. But listen, they didn't return to some idealized Garden of Eden. We're not yet at the new Jerusalem. We're not yet at the kingdom come in fullness. We have to suffer and work through all of this in the same world as everyone else. So the psalmist gives us a poem, a song, that bears witness to the fact that I may be a long way from where I want to be, but I'm giving you this song to know that you're not alone and that God is not done and that we're all pilgrims walking to God. So that was my quote, and here's my questions, and then we're done. Here's my questions for you to write down to think about in these next few moments as we respond or to take with you in your journal. Here's the first one. You ready for it as we close? What's the lie that you have to name? What's the lie that you've been afraid to name, but you got to name it tonight? What's the lie that you've been hearing this week, this month, Maybe it's a cultural lie, a social lie, or an internal lie. What's the lie? The second question, what's the no? What's the no to the junk food and the saccharine half-truths and the religious and political posturing that is rampant in this place that you're living? Like the psalmist, you say, enough is enough. I'm sick of this. What's the no that you need to say? Final question, what's the yes instead? What's the yes? I think for the psalmist it was peace. I am for peace. I want peace. I want shalom. I want wholeness and flourishing and connection to the source. And all you want is war. But I'm saying yes to peace. Peace with God, peace with neighbor, peace with my spouse, my mom, my dad, my friend, my neighbor, my enemy. I want peace. That's my yes. What's your yes? These are the questions. The Psalms give us permission. The Psalms give us this language, and we're grateful. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for this time together. We are grateful for a moment to be reminded of the truth that we are not alone and that you are not done. And that even though we live amidst a hostile environment, we can still find peace and rest in the arms of you, our creator and sustainer. So we ask that the peace of Christ that transcends all understanding would guard our hearts and minds. That the Spirit of God would work in us and through us, reminding us of the truth of who you are, who you have made us to be. Will we listen close to you as we come to the table and find you with your arms open wide? Pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.
Thank you for being here. Would you please stand to receive our benediction? Go now as those raised with Christ, filled anew with God's great love, and telling the story of what God has done for you. There may be times this week when, like the psalmist, you feel out of place. Remember that there is always a place waiting for you in the house of God. May our good Father reach out to you and nourish you along your journey. May Christ Jesus renew you in the image of your Creator. And may the Holy Spirit guide your steps with kindness and love. We go in peace to love and serve the Lord in the name of Christ. Amen.